Hello, hello, it's time once again for Get to Know a World of Warships Clan, a short-ish podcast hosted by Bogsy and Synpax, produced by TNG, the new guys. I, of course, am Bogsy. I am here with Synpax. Lots of interesting stuff going on. A eh, Synpax? Yeah. Um, before we go too far, though, I want to share with you, you know, we sometimes we get messages, some people say nice things about the podcast, sometimes they say critical things, sometimes they say it's just boring. Um, but uh, we did get a rather nice message from somebody. Um, that I, I just kind of wanted to share. It's following up on uh, yesterday's. I'm not going to read their name, but it said uh, FWIW. What is that from what I, whatever the acronym means. I, I know no you idea. don't know me, but I really appreciate you asking good non-softball questions on your podcast, The Boycott Leaders and Announcing TNG. In our public channel, I think the transparency and understanding of the non-hurricane clan plight is admirable, and I thank you for, admirable, and I thank you for it. So that was just kind of a nice feedback because I know that, you know, yes, yesterday's podcast was um, a little more contentious and in a good way, right, than yeah. they usually are. But I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think uh, it came away as being, you know, a good opportunity for the protest leaders to get their voices heard and also for some, some, good, uh, some good questions to get asked. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you don't mind me saying, um, I, I recall that the other time when something like this sort of happened was uh, when we interviewed PWP. Uh, we asked them specifically about allegations that they had been uh, cheating. And, you know, we, we felt like we wanted to give them an opportunity to speak to it. And we got feedback from folks saying, hey, you guys really didn't push them very hard on it. And you and I obviously took that. We took that pretty seriously. We, we talked amongst ourselves about, you know, what's our what's our role here? Because this is supposed to be informational and fun. And and um, so I, I think that yesterday for the for the cv guys it was it was an important opportunity to to not only you know have their message be heard but also to sort of vet and refine their own message um sure and i think that they honestly i think they did a really good job at it and i think that they came away from it with a more refined purpose you know even in pwp's case we actually that started because somebody made a post on a community forum reddit and we thought, hey, you know, PWP didn't give a reply, and that post got like, you know, 10 million views and upvotes and stuff. So they should get a chance to reply. Although, you know, when somebody's accused of cheating, you basically ask them, well, were you cheating? And they <laughs> say yes or no. There's, unless you've got evidence, which we did not have, right. um, there's it's really hard to push them on it. And it was also a good chance to kind of get to know a clan that's perennially be, been at the top of uh clan battles and king of the seas on north america and has a culture that is fairly unique from any other clan on the north american server um but you know because we're both much more intimately familiar with the issues of cv protest we're able to get you know get up to our armpits and and the actual issues at hand so yeah um well, we hope that folks who are listening appreciate it. You know, it's, it's nice to hear some feedback, but I do hope that everyone listening knows that, you know, we sort of feel like our job is to give people a platform and then to to vet stuff sometimes when it's something topical or something that's, I guess, time sensitive. I guess that would be the word to, to put mm-hmm. it. Um, and if you don't mind me saying, I, I, f- I feel like one of the things that could be attributed to them, it's, it's hard to tell why anything happens, really, um, but... Obviously, this morning on the World of Warships dev blog, it was announced that for the super testers, um, so this is you know this is public information. I'm I'm not outing anything for the super testers. Wargaming is going to be testing a severe nerf to the uh, spotting ability of CVs, and more specifically, they halved the detectability by air values for destroyers. Which stop me if I'm wrong. I think it makes it almost impossible to spot and line up a rocket strike on destroyers individually outside of extra spotting. So CV can't line up a line that up without on their first run. I guess is what I want. Well, to say. I mean, they they kind of can by using a fighter, especially if the destroyer has his AA on, then he has basically 20 seconds to drop a fighter or to stay within that AA range and uh, go to work. But, you know, intuitively, a lot of CV players, if they made one pass over to store and they they lose him, by turning around, they can actually start their drop with enough intuition to kind of figure out where that destroyer is going to end up because many people start their drops without having the target visible when they're attacking a destroyer. Nonetheless, nonetheless, 
this is, I think, a pretty substantial boost to destroyers who have, um, I think, made the most noise about uh, how CVs have affected um, their gameplay. On, on the other hand, though, um, I think that one of the protesters' arguments uh, is not at all addressed by this because their argument has never really been necessarily about the damage the CV does, although part of it has been that why they the effect of CVs on destroyers. But a, I think the thrust of their argument is the way that generally spotting changes in the game with the CV, where it basically lifts substantially the fog of war. Um, and, you know, the, the CV will still be able to permanently spot cruisers, perma spot battleships, and they'll know where a destroyer is. They just may not be able to spot it well enough to. But, you know, people are going to have their opinions about it, but I do think this is an interesting change for more gaming. And, you know, you really can't say for a fact, those of us who are outside, whether or not um, any of the uh, protest uh, or threatened boycott um, had any impact on this. It, it may have. It's hard. You can't really deny that. It's it's true. It's not it's not clear, uh, like you were saying, exactly, you know, what caused it. But, I mean, certainly some of the major issues that were addressed by the boycotts, you know, uh, the boycotts energy, I suppose, are being directly addressed. And that's that's I, I just want to say that's that's worth something. Um, and uh, uh, the other one, and again, stop me if I'm wrong on this, but the other the other major change that was re- revealed in that S, that super testing post was, I believe it said that ships will have their air visibility reduced to their maximum AA defensive range. Did you read that part? Because uh, that's yes. huge. That's also huge. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, that that effectively for a period of t- yeah yeah that is uh, kind of remarkable. But I, I need to I need to sort of parse that because there's a couple of slight variations on how that can be read. Nonetheless, um, I think that will have a pretty severe impact on uh, yeah. on CVs. Yeah, I am interested to find out sort of what they learn. I don't know how exactly that's going to work in super testing, but I am interested to see how that's going to affect things. Um, so anyway, we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Uh, but uh, we have some guests today, and uh, we got some we got some EU players today. I'm excited. I don't get to talk to them very often. So um, why don't we go ahead and introduce uh, Storo and Dastert from rain and oh no i had it written down and i can't find it now what rain stands for syntax what does rain stand for um i think our guests would best be the ones to, we'll have a guest answer that and i say that because they'll best be able to explain it and also because i don't know <laughs> but let me give a, let me warm our audience up so they know who we're talking about okay. here because we've got a couple of uh couple of legends with us um so initially uh dastard and astoro uh, they'll explain the details of this but dastard started a clan called skillfully exceptional players um, which uh, attracted a lot of attention because it was a you know he's uh, himself is an exceptional caller with strong pedigree. Uh, third season of clan battles, they ended up uh, fourth place. Uh, but then the clan kind of stopped because um, Dastert uh, joined Storo uh, in a clan on EU called Rain. So it's not too often that we have dominant players here in the North American uh, uh, scene just say hey i'm going to eu and switch so we really want to hear about what drove that decision um also dastard is remarkable for achieving a feat which i don't think will ever be repeated um in one clan battle season he was the first person i'm sorry one ranked season he was the first person to rank out to achieve rank one and then the next season was also first person to rank out and uh that's uh, requires a remarkable level of skill and understanding of the game so we're going to see what advice he might have to share um not just for uh rank players but also for uh clan battle battle callers you know what he might think of strategy and and any advice he might have to share from uh the many of us who could probably learn a few things from this guy and from and from storo um so with that i'll, I'll hand the ball back to you uh Bogsy, and let's let's get to know a world of warships clan yeah absolutely well um let's if you don't mind storo i'm going to start with dastard just because i'd like to begin with the history of of sep so dastard hello welcome to the show and uh can you give us a little a little quick beginning of understanding how sep got started and and where it went well thanks for having me and the inception of sep essentially was I had been bouncing around in a couple of clans on NA um, previously. Uh, I was in QP to start. I was going back to some old clans before clan battles. I was going to new clans. 
and uh, Storo had me on his Discord, and I was just throwing around some ideas, uh, talking with a couple of friends of mine outside of Storo's Discord, and, and we were like, man, we should create a clan, you know, we should get our own clan going. And uh, one day, I said, today's the day, we're going to do it. So I was like, I'm making the clan, I'm inviting all my friends, Storo's like, I'm on board, let's go. So I get together a bunch of my friends, um, I think it was partway through season three. It might not have been partway through season three. I don't know exactly. But we were like, all right, we're doing this. And that was how everything started. And obviously some roster changes have, have happened since then. But that was really the, the main start of SEP. Okay. And you guys, obviously, you played uh, Clan Wars pretty competitively. You were a, a recognizable clan. And then you left, correct? That is correct. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about why you would leave a clan that you started? Well, sure thing. There were a couple of factors um, at hand. At the end of Season 3, we did very well, and I, I was very excited to see where the clan would go. I was still very much on board at the end of Season 3. Um, but at that time, I believe it was COT7 was rolling around the corner. And we were like, all right, we need a carrier player because I can't call and do carrier at the same time, that sort of thing. So we were, we were looking around for a couple of people to get. Um, and it turned out that even with, I think we had 20 something people in the clan at the time, it wasn't, we didn't have enough people that were going to be active at the time of that cot season. So we said, all right, we gotta, we gotta find something, you know, we have to find a remedy or else we're just not gonna play. And at the time, ZR actually uh, approached us and said, you want to do a merger? So we merged our, our clans for COTS, and we did that. And this was already kind of not looking good. You know, we just came out of a clan battle season. We went into COTS, and we already had to do a merge because we didn't have enough activity. And season four um, of clan battles rolls around uh, after we did pretty well in COTS. You know, that's, that's another story. We placed, I think, third. But we get into season four of clan battles, and... Now we're kind of lacking on um, on people showing up. You know, we don't have seven people to run a team anymore. We played a couple of nights, but ultimately we couldn't we couldn't play it for more than like half the week. I would say. So I said, "All right, like if it's not going to work out this way, you know, I'll just I'll go to EU." You know, I don't. Uh, and not that I don't feel like people were giving me you know the time or anything, but it we just didn't have enough people. There weren't people applying to the clan at that point. And I was, I wasn't really willing to sit out of a clan battle season because I was still very competitively driven. So I was like, I'm just going to go somewhere else so I could play somewhere else where I can perform, you know, better. And, you know, I wish you luck guys, but it's not working out here. And that's, that's when I moved. I see. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, it's interesting to me. Did you have uh, trouble recruiting, or did you just not feel like recruiting, or how did how did that uh, how did the decision to leave your own clan come about rather than grow your own clan? So I had fairly high recruiting standards um, at the time. Worships today was still a website, I guess, um, and I said I wanted fourteen hundred PR, or uh, rather fourteen hundred WTR or twenty one hundred PR players, so purple players. Um, Preferably with some competitive experience, all that kind of stuff. And due to the fact that I believe 07ZR and Yikes, which is Gaishu's clan, um, all existed at the same time here, there weren't a lot of people, like a lot of purple free agents. So I, I really had to kind of make compromises and take people who were, let's say, less than purple. Um, and it didn't. It didn't work out due to the fact that there weren't a ton of people in the first place applying, and those who did weren't all that motivated or perhaps not up to the same standard or something like that. And that ultimately led to us having a few members because over time people were leaving, they were going to 07, they were going elsewhere, and we just ran out of manpower. Sure, and that resulted in you uh, moving to the EU server to join Storo in Rain. Is that correct? That is correct. Great. What, what did that conversation sound like? I mean, was it was it like uh, that moment at the beginning of the movie Predator where two giant muscly guys like 
handshake and it's all weird and, and, and icky and, and creepy, uh, but ultimately ends up being awesome. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it was quite like that. I, if I Storo remembers it better than I do, um, so we could probably get him the way in on it. But uh, we we had definitely been friends for a while. Uh, at that point, we we were friends before Seppa, and and I believe even at that time he was trying to kind of inch me towards Rain, something like that. But once I said I was really going to EU, that's when he like kicked it into overdrive, and he was like, "All right, here we go. It's poaching time," you know. Yeah, buddy. And, uh, What's that? that? Was... <laughs> Did somebody say poach? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's poaching master. But um, I, it was when I moved there, it was it was the choice between uh, Rain or TWA. And it, it was Anne Lay over there who is the, the master poacher on EU. It was like that, that was the intense battle to try to get the, the new guy on the EU server. But like huh. I said, I think Storo can tell you more about that. Yeah, well, sure. Why don't we, why don't we use that to, uh, to pivot to Storo here? Storo, thank you for being patient. Um, yeah. So, no I, I did, yeah, I did my research on Rain, and obviously, you guys have been stalwarts of the top five hurricane clans on EU for almost as long as the game has been going. So, um, can you, can you give us just a quick, a quick overview of the history of, of rain and becoming a competitive clan? Sure thing. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. And, uh, I think that, uh, rain started, um, with the start of clan battle season two. Uh, it was, um, basically a clan created by a couple of my friends, um, um, that was basically a result of a uh, French clan UFR kind of um, dropping down. So we we got our own thing going. It became international. You know that the, there was a big uh, base of French players in Rain, still is, and um, we got uh, good success. Uh, we had very good players. First clan build season, we we were second. We we had our prime you know time during during those times at the start where we we were performing very well and we won a cut six and after that um well, we were just consistent on on you know high-end finishes in clan battles uh some successful some less successful king of the seas tournaments etc sure absolutely well um i i suppose then um what did you have to do to get to get Dastard to come over to Rain? Did you have to, you know, offer him chocolate or candy or promise him a role in a major Hollywood picture? Well, at, at that point, I was uh, I was already considering Dastard a very good friend of mine, and I really uh, um, was convinced that he would join us if if he was already going to EU. Um, I I was trying to get him. All, earlier as well but you know that didn't happen he had his own clan going i can't make him really play two servers at the time at the same time like um, you know it's it's more difficult for any people than it is for you we just stay longer at night and it's easy <laughs> but um yeah um the conversation with him about it was pretty normal you know um so what are you gonna join me and it was like yeah, I, I guess I will. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Synpax, what do you got lined up for these fellas? Well, I just wanted to ask, you know, folks who have been uh, deeply involved in the clan scene and the cultures of both uh, North America and Europe, um, are there any differences that you'd notice between, uh, say, top-end clans in North America and EU or just, just in general? Are there any any distinctions between the two that, that are you think would be noteworthy or, or interesting? Well, uh, I guess I guess I'll lead. It's it is kind of difficult to say because um, I don't know the current state of top NA clans too much uh, on a personal level, but I know top clans on EU tend to get along for the most part. Every everyone's kind of like yeah, we we all chat with each other, we all hang out. I know. Many of people from uh, Rain and TWA play other games together. Like we're not enemies or anything like that. But I know, at least from my perspective on NA, and granted, I have a bit of a unique perspective. Um, definitely wasn't too friendly around uh, some other clans, and that that was my doing for sure. But 
you know, I don't know what the situation is between some current top clans, uh, if everyone's all friendly, if they're not, all that kind of stuff. But on EU, I know it's definitely very, like, I don't want to say tight-knit, but it's 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 definitely more friendly over there. Everyone kind of gets along. Yeah, there's, I mean, I, I'm not sure what, uh, I think you were in, you were long gone from NA server before we were anywhere close to uh, being uh, in the competitive position we are now. But um, there have been times, you know, where there's certain a level of toxicity, I think would be the word. Is is that what you maybe are suggesting was uh, a part of the unfortunate part of the culture on North American server while you were here? Um, yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, I definitely had... A... I think all the toxicity that I got was fair because I also dished it out and I probably dished it out first, to be honest. But um, there's definitely more of an air of toxicity on NA, I would say, um, than on EU. Why do you think that is? Uh, honestly, I'm not entirely sure. It's it's kind of weird. I guess maybe because everyone on EU is kind of like, you have more of like a mixed bag. You know, you have like, oh, there's there's British, there's there's French, there's German, there's Italian. There's like there's all these different kind of people, and you know they're all in Europe. They all kind of mesh in, in that sense. But in America, it might be more polarizing, I guess, to have people who are on like the East Coast and they think they're against people that are on the West Coast or something along those lines. America against Canada. I don't know. Um, it's it's all speculation, honestly. So I I really don't know what the what the main difference could be. Because I see the, I see the okay. same amount of like toxicity. I don't want to say the same amount of toxicity, but you can definitely see that EU has its moments where it could be like, wow, all right, these guys are really, uh, really not being friendly. But yeah, are you, um, Storo? Do you have a take on this? Well, I think uh, my take is uh, the same as Dars Dastards. Uh, I would say that EU clans are generally closer to each other. We, we chat a lot with each other. Um, while NA is kind of like, uh, I, I would say my experience with NA is that uh, people are more scared to say something honest to, to someone else's face while you just throws it out without any, you know, waiting or whatever. If, if I don't like you, I'm going to tell you I don't like you while NA is, on NA is kind of playing behind the back. Sure. Okay. It's an interesting take from people of you know you've both played on both servers you've both been at uh, the heights of uh, the competitive side here. Um, so I I guess here's a question for you, Dastard. Did you ever have any second thoughts of coming back to North America? Because at different and maybe you can explain this, but I've noticed an inflow and outflow on several occasions of uh, skillfully exceptional players into and out of uh, SCP, at least on the North American server. Um, have you ever thought of coming back, or is that, is that a, a sign that that was considered, or um, is that just you know uh, static? Well, after I had uh, after I had left, I kind of resigned my my NA competitive scene. Um, I just thought, you know, I'm just going to go to EU. And honestly, at that point, I thought I had jumped enough clans that it was like, if it doesn't work with this one, I'm just sticking with it anyway because I have nowhere to go. That sort of thing, um, but I never, I never really wanted to come back to NA. But I definitely had regrets for dropping SEP. Um, you know, I definitely, th looking back at it, even if I was very impatient, I still should have been like, all right, it's one season. You know, I can wait it out and see what happens. See if I can pick up some new players. Or, you know, maybe people will become active again, give them, you know, a month or two. But um, no, once I once I left NA, I was like, I'm done with NA competitive. And that was kind of it. Do you think that, um, do, would you reconsider, I mean, back looking back at the moment when you're struggling to recruit, um, the reliance on, you know, a third-party website, uh, the the waiting scheme they use to rate PR, which is, if I'm not mistaken, you know, emphasize things like damage uh, much more than say win rate. If, if I, I could be mistaken, but I think WTRs drove that as well as the WoWs numbers PR. Um, 
are are also driven by you know this sort of somewhat arbitrary formula. Um, do you uh, do you think that maybe that um, uh, insistence or desire to have people with you know uh, glittering random battle skills uh, may have caused you to overlook some folks, or do you think that basically that's a, a fundamentally good measure? Um, it's possible that I definitely could have overlooked people. I mean, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really go out looking for people in the first place. Um, but I know the WTR rating, I think, was more heavily based on kills. So if you got more kills, your WTR would go up significantly. And I think your win rate also had a fair amount of um, fair amount of weight, as well as the win rate. Um, and I know PR is more about damage. But what I was mostly looking for was potential over anything I, you know i wanted to see you know even if it was like a blue player if they were coming up from green within like the past couple of weeks or something like that if they were making significant improvements that's what i was looking for um i wasn't necessarily looking for someone who was just you know 2104 pr and they've been that way for the past five months something like that sure sure i mean any body involved with trying to build a clan or build a team can tell you that recruitment is i mean it all starts with recruitment you know it's probably the most important part in in determining the success of a clan it all starts with okay who are you you know who are you pulling in who are you pulling on board to uh to build it and then only after that it's done then you can add the subsequent layers of strategy and tactics and how you build your culture and battle calling and all of that but uh, fundamentally it seems like you're very much aware in, in the struggle you have that making a good clan doesn't happen if you don't start with having you know good people um so i think we're going to take a break we're going to come back and maybe try to um push these guys bogsy for uh advice or insight that some of the people who are in clans now that aspire to be you know at the top of the boards as rain is now some some lessons they that uh, our guests may be able to share with them you're absolutely right, and Bogsy's getting himself some ranked advice as well, because I'm tired of not ranking out because I get impatient and angry, so I'm going to make Dastard tell me exactly what I'm doing wrong. But uh, <laughs> when we come back, we're also going to play Sink a Ship, so uh, Storo and Dastard, if you guys are not familiar with it, Sink a Ship is a segment where each of you is going to choose a ship in the game, uh, none of the upcoming ships, of course, but a ship in the game that you don't like or you want removed for whatever reason. I don't care, but I will ask. And uh, it's gone. No questions asked. Storo, I know you're a uh, head moderator in the CV protest forum. You are going to ban it. You're going to mute it. And then you're going to go back over this ship's history. And you're going to remove any trace that it ever existed in your Discord server in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do that with Dastard and Storo when we come back on Get to Know Our World of Warships Clan. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us. We're joined here by Dastert and Storo of Clan Rain. We're talking a little ranked. We're talking a little bit about the history of Sep and Rain. And I have asked these fine gentlemen to please sink a ship. So Storo, I'm going to start with you. What's it going to be? I'm going to say Kremlin, actually. Aha. Uh, I think that it um, kind of ruined the skill BB gameplay of competitive. You know, you can just push it too much and tank tank it, and and you know it it supports the mass Stalingrad or whatever mass Russian cruiser, and I don't think it was a very good addition to the game. And I, I personally don't even think it's it's that strong in randoms at the moment. Like, but the tanking is just um, insane for for competitive purposes. I see. Certainly, no stranger to the channel, the uh, channel to the show. The Kremlin. There's another one on the board for that. How about you, Dastert? Well, honestly, I have the same pick as Storo, but uh, if we want to go variety, I can give my second worst. But, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, so I guess I'll just add on a little bit to what Storo said, and then I'll go on to what I my, my second pick. Yeah, as a battleship player, Kremlin sucks. It, it removes all like semblance of skill from a battleship player, especially pre-nerf Kremlin. If you played pre-nerf Kremlin, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it just takes any like brain usage you really had to use with the battleships of like, okay, can I tank this? Can I not tank this? And it's just like, you can tank whatever you want. You go in there, you get them, big boy. But my, <laughs> my second pick has to be Venezia. Venezia, um, 
it just he is he right you know you get a decent amount of damage you can start a fire and the enemy battleship can heal quite a bit of that venezia absolutely not how would you like thirteen thousand health gone and you can only heal half of it and as a battleship player that is so infuriating to me when i'm 20 kilometers away from a venezia fully angled and he's still pens me because he can just plunge onto onto the deck or onto the stern onto whatever he wants to and he pens and i can't heal it because it has um i believe it has the ap damage property so you can only heal 50 percent of it uh when it pens as opposed to 75 percent with the with the ag so venezia for that alone very very annoying but then it also turns really really quickly and um it has that smoke. It has the super long duration smoke. 40 seconds smoke that sits on it. And while you're moving full speed, it's so annoying. I could not hope to ever possibly see the day when it gets removed because I know it's not going to happen. But if it does, I don't know. I'm, I will donate all of my money to charity or something. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm curious because you're a skillfully exceptional player. And, um, and I'm curious, do you think that, uh, obviously they're going to nerf the penetration angles of the sap rounds coming up soon here, um, but uh, I, I kind of rolled my eyes at that and I was like, oh good, okay, that fixes everything. I mean, do, do you think it would be more appropriate to give the Venezia the crawling smoke the way that the, uh, I mean, like the Perth or the, um, shoot, I'm forgetting, there's a couple ones, like the Hata has crawling Hata. smoke. Yeah, there you go. Right, right. Do you think that would make a change so that it can't just full speed at 34 knots? disappear and stay disappeared um while i do think it would help um i still think the duration needs to be reduced to 20 seconds let's say or just like remove the smoke entirely I understand that you know each new ship line needs a gimmick you know that makes it unique that sort of thing um even though sap rounds are kind of their own unique gimmick and you can just work off of that but i think 40 seconds of a smoke is too long for a ship like Venezia to be hiding in because that means it can pump out two salvos on you which if if it's a cruiser versus cruiser fight forget it you know and if you're shooting at a battleship that could easily be 20,000 that you chunk off for no trade whatsoever so i think 20 seconds maybe just giving it that get out of jail free card where it can make that that turn if it has to you know the, to go broadside to everyone um, in the smoke and get away it can still do that with 20 seconds um, just not 40 seconds where it can turn and run all, all the way to the border before the smoke's out. I, I would also add that that change would make it harder for them to uh, smoke cap, which yes. is something we ran into in competitive. Yeah, yeah, I, we saw that too. The the insta smoke, especially at full speed, it 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 always made me laugh a little bit just because it sort of reminded me of those those gags from comedy shows where something awkward happens and then someone just goes smoke bomb and they disappear. Oh yeah. Uh, That's what it always felt like to me, just smoke bomb. I would just like to add on that the CV in their current state are also just pretty broken for competitive. The spotting is absolutely insane, but that's another topic. And well, we can get you to can't that. Really if you, ban, if you, like. yeah, you yeah. can't really ban all CVs, so I decided for the Kremlin. Well, let me... Uh, so I want to pivot the conversation. Um, this is a question first for Dastard. Say okay. somebody... In, we're going to get like deep strategy here. What do you think of the biggest mistake that teams make in clan battles? What do they overlook? What's the one? What's the biggest thing that, that causes them not to be as successful as they could be otherwise? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I can't say 100% for sure about this, and you'll know why once you hear the answer. But I think communication and teamwork are honestly the, the biggest components of actually having a successful team. You always want to be on the same page as all your teammates. Um, you want to make sure that you can synchronize well with them. You know, you play with the same guys and you work well together. You know what you're capable of, that sort of thing. You kind of know how each other are aggressive. You know each other's rough skill level, that sort of stuff. And you can work together with good communication at that point. And you can have a very well-oiled machine. You know, everyone's popping off different bits of information like okay this guy's here this guy's here you know i made this guy pop damage control and everyone's working towards um the same goal with tons of information going to every single player on the team and i think that's the most important even above individual skill itself what's your approach to strategy um do you have a framework or some 
like a, a way of looking at say you know it's a new clan battle season you've got you know it's a 7v7 we've for example we've got tier six coming up like is there a framework that, or a mindset you use when you approach a developing a clan battle strategy so i like to start with like a very rough draft that i always it's like my my template i guess um, I always like to have a pushing side and a kiting side. Um, the general split will usually be five and two. So the the team the side with five would, let's say, for argument's sake, will have like a destroyer for capping, have three cruisers and a battleship. And that will be your main force. You know, maybe one cruiser can stay a bit more towards the middle just in case it needs to rotate and deal with an enemy push. Um, depends on you know all the, it depends on the map, the meta, all that kind of stuff. And the side with two is just strictly kiting, making sure the enemy doesn't take our home cap or something along those lines. And depending on the season, like last season with the carriers, um, I switched it up a little bit. Um, I think I split three and three. Um, but what we did was we had a Somers and double Worcester on one side, and then we had triple Venezia on the other side. So the con the the idea was to put the somers into the cap laying a smoke for the worcesters and the worcesters just sit right behind it and the venezias just yeah hang out have fun you know hopefully the worcesters win because if they don't it's going to be tough but um the the idea was just the three venezias just sit there and make sure that the enemy can't push into them and that's it boils down to one side is always pushing and one side is always kiting, but the pushing side should always have the destroyer because that's what's going to get the caps. That's what you, you know, you have a kiting destroyer. What's the point of that? You know, so. Um. So, and this, I, I want to add, story on that question. Do you have any anything to add? Well, I, I think that um, the main reason we have been friends for so long that we have kind of a similar look on the game. So. Uh, I, I was definitely very happy to to you know to play Summers. I, I also personally. Love the, the smoke place with the boosters or whatever the other ships. Um, I, I think that it's very beneficial and sometimes overlooked. But um, you know, every season, every meta, every cod brings something new, and you you need to adapt your strategy towards it. Uh, but yeah, the general idea is pushing side, kiting side, maybe BB middle, uh, etc. Uh, looking for crossfires. You know, you just build it around um, um, your strong players, strong ships, uh, and, and that's about it, really. Let me, uh, I guess, uh, talk about the previous clan battle season. What composition did you guys run in season eight? That was uh, that was the Somers double Worcester and triple Venezia. Wow. Well, you passed. Did you innovate? So you did, you pioneered that one. Yeah, that was. I, I thought up the idea of um, double Worcester with the with the smoke. I had some other things going at the time um, through practice and uh, criticism from other other clan members. We we perfected it, I guess you can say, to triple Venezia with the double Worcester and Didi. Yeah, that's interesting because you know your influence uh, is tremendous because we actually ended up running into that at the end of the season as well here, um, and I, I'm glad to know we have tracked the source of that virus uh, to where it came from. But uh, it is, it must be kind of, it must be nice to see a, a strategy that you pioneered showing up in other servers and you know being played with some success. That's got to be that's got to be pretty cool. Were you even aware of that? Oh. We had we actually had a game where we played against some guys on on Russia, and they were using my comp while I was playing, and I was like, "Nice comp you got there, boys!" It was very very nice. I had the biggest ego stroking session after that match, but that was I, uh, you did very win though, hard. right? But even if yeah, you yeah, lost, maybe. even if you lost, you still kind of won, didn't you? Of course, I owe it. I mean, both both teams are using my comp. Can I really lose? Right. You know, I mean, my team can lose, but I won't. So let me ask you, the new season's been announced. Um, I do want to share with you guys, and I'll take a moment here for our listeners to say that, you know, we have the WoWs tactic planning tool. We have redeveloped it and deployed it ourselves because I know the former site was having some issues. And we also preload it with all of the clan battle maps, with all of the uh, 
circle, the cap circles already in place accurately sized, which is something the old WoWs tactics did not have. And certainly we extend that to you, Dasher, and if you've ever used a tool like that before. But um, and but uh, what are, what are your initial thoughts on hearing tier six seventy seven CV or BB? Uh, honestly, I I'm not really a big fan of it. I don't know how tier six clan battles is going to go. I don't think it's going to work out too well. Um, it'll kind of be like the tier eight one, where you know you have like really weird meta. You know, in tier eight, it was like it was all Akazuki and Kiev and stuff like that. It was like who who would have guessed that you know a clan battle season would be DD dominated? Um, but that also didn't include carriers. Now with the tier six, I feel like carriers aren't massively powerful at tier six and neither are the battleships really so why not have you know one and one of both and just make it like 8v8 or something like that um i don't know for sure i don't really play tier six let me just get that out there i think the only time i really play tier six is when it's ranked and then i only play war spite basically um so i'm not too well versed but i do know like the cruisers super squishy no heels you know the guns aren't even that amazing um you know you have essentially everything's downgraded but battleships are still kind of solidified in their role so it's it, it's weird i don't know how it's going to work because i have no idea what tier six isn't, carriers are capable but, of but isn't that weirdness like a good thing that you now have a whole new puzzle to figure out and to yeah. I would like to have a word. I personally think that tier six clamps are com a complete joke, and I don't consider it competitive at at all. I think that it's just gonna ruin uh, the you know the fun of of competitive gameplay, and I and I believe that um, it's just gonna be a steel farm for the people that want steel. I, I don't think uh, many top clans will actually participate in it, um, and I am more looking forward to third-party community-organized tournaments and stuff like that. So, why do you say it's, why is tier six quote unquote not competitive? What does that mean? Well, first of all, tier six was never uh, balanced around competitive, right? It, it was its main usage is a mid-tier for. New players coming to the game, developing their mechanical skills towards tier 10, all the way from like tier 6, tier 7, tier 8, tier 9, and then you get to the competitive level of tier 10. Um, I don't think that tier 6 even has all the mechanical like um, stuff that tier 10 clan builds does. Uh, if they do, it's on a lot slower level, which is why I think that it's it's never going to be competitive. Uh, if if, it's, if something is not on the highest level of the game, it can be competitive. I, I don't understand, because we heard that in a previous podcast. And I, I kind of puzzled over that, because while, let's say, um, a ship or a class may not be competitive at 6, like maybe you could make the case that, you know, uh, uh, tier uh, 6 cruisers are not, you know, as a class, very competitive because they don't have heals and they're you know the armor's not great and they just kind of get wrecked by battleships or they don't have great aa or something i get that but i don't understand how somebody can say that clan battles are ever not competitive because basically you have it's, it's not like there's a ship the top clans if we wanted to field six perths we could field six perths and so could all the clans that are competitive with us now they could all whatever so it's not like there's a limitation on ships that would make something less competitive it's whether it's tier one tier two tier ten um it's basically seven brains on one team and seven brains on the other team given a set of rules uh, it's perfectly balanced because we all have the same tools to go into competition with so I, that's why i kind of I don't quite get the accusation that oh tier six or tier eight or whatever is not uh, competitive or not because it's not balanced or the tiers. Of course, it's balanced. It's it's perfectly balanced. We have the said set of tools. We go to war, and the better team wins. How is that not the case? Well, uh, I think that the main thing about that, I mean, you have a decent point, but uh, the thing about it is that like look at Shiftstorm. It's a three versus three uh, event uh, that is played for fun. Uh, like people, uh, I know personally, I played it uh, several times. Uh, you know, we, we never got into it with a lot of tra training or anything. 
it's a for fun tournament. I don't think that tier six clan battles can be any different than uh, anything that is outside of, you know, below tier eight. But isn't it just it's what you make of it though. If you decided that you're going to play Shipstorm competitively, then you've made that decision, and there's not like. You know, here, here I'll give you the example. This is the one time I thought that something was unbalanced and less competitive in clan battles was the season where some teams had Stalingrads and some teams just did not because they're either newer players, they didn't have the steel. That was a, a difference that caused a true imbalance in the game. But these days, all your purple clans, you can all field seven Stalingrads, you can all field Thunder, Ohio, whatever this, what everything. You all have everything at your disposal. So it's it's like an electiveness, like. We've decided arbitrarily that only tier 10 is competitive. Tier 8, no, we've decided that's not competitive, even though it's the same thing. Seven brains versus seven brains going to battle given a set of rules. I, I, I believe that we just have a different take on, on what competitive is. For you, it's, as you said, seven brains playing in one team with equal resources against each other. And and for me, competitive is uh, playing on a top level of mechanical and you know top level... Um, skill to top level what the game has to offer and that's fair enough i think for both of us uh, and you, you know for me it's not it, for me it's gonna be a joke um, i don't i can't force anyone to not play it you know it's part of the uh, cv boycott thing but we we don't force anyone to not play the season um, tier six is just gonna be a steel farm so if anyone wants to have fun and believes they will they will have fun, you know. Feel free to have fun. Sure, sure. So, Stora, let me let me let me let me try and reangle this a little bit here, if if I may, um, because I honestly, I'm such an idiot. I love tier six. I think that tier six has a lot of very different, unusual, strange ships that get to be played in in sort of non. I guess I want to just say non-optimized scenarios. So when you when I hear you say that you feel like tier six is not competitive. I think that I take that the same way that you take that, which is that this is not a tier that has had the multiple seasons of clan battles and therefore multiple seasons of adjustments and fine tunings coming from more gaming to make sure that we enter a, a clan battle season that's as balanced as possible. And yeah, yes, exactly. Does that sound about right? Yes. Okay, okay. So I, I think I take your point there. And actually, I... I'm 100% on board with you on that because I agree. I think that there is no real basis for a a balanced competitive meta yet for tier 6. However, I at heart I'm just a little boy and I love coming into a new environment and then parsing it out into what works and what doesn't and that's very exciting to me. So even though I I agree with you, I think that tier 6 is not yet competitive in the sense that it hasn't been vetted i'm personally really excited to see it get vetted um you know like even when i was just sort of brainstorming with some other clan mates we were talking about like okay well cruisers are squishy like you said but there is always the graf spey which is an armored cruiser with 283 millimeter guns and a heel that's exciting to me because it's like oh well you can't just have all of that but you can't have some of that so i'm going to just press you a little further on this and i want to i want to know what you think I want to know what you think are going to be the real culprits because, you know, you and I, again, you and I agree that tier six has not been vetted yet. Um, and this is not to try and corner you or anything, but I'm curious, what do you think are going to be the things that really stick out and are oppressive in the first couple weeks? Like, like, a, like a Gaishu Kleber spam was for a while when no one knew oh, what to do about it. There are a couple of, you know, um, I, I try to think about it. There are a couple of options I would CS meta. Uh, one thing is, you know, repeating the French D spam as uh, with Eagle and Gephardt, um, I think is the tier six. And another thing is uh, having a lot of smoke play with uh, Perth and Huang He, which is funny enough uh, considered a very poor tier six ship, but um, I think that in clan battles it might, it might be popular because, you know, carriers are going to dominate the. the the open water. So if you have smoke and some kind of protection all the time, uh, I think that um, smoke ships will be pop popular, um, such as UNK and the Perth, uh, for example, or the Leander even. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a battleship specifically that uh, that will challenge no, the I, supremacy I, of, of the uh, carrier? Because really the carriers, I've been hearing some of the carrier mains um, who 
I, I can I can just say that I absolutely have confidence in their ability to theorycraft. Have been discussing the you know the obvious choice, which is the Ark Royal, simply because it's the Ark Royal. You know, it's a gangster. Yeah, uh, but... as, as far as I heard from care players for the record, I never played Reverb CVs, um, but as far as I have heard, Ark Royal is completely broken for this format, <laughs> and uh, if anything. Um, you know, care remains expected to be even more dominant by CVs compared to the tier 10 season where Hakuri dominated. Well, so we'll certainly have to see about that. I, yeah. I, am, I am honestly, I, I hate to say it, I'm excited. I, I want to see how tier 6 shapes up because I think given the fact that there's no radar at tier 6, I think that and DDs are going to have a major uh, breath of life, you know, kind of... I, 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 I think know. it's uh, I, fair enough. Everyone has an opinion about the game. But the, the question is, um, you know, that we on the CV Boycott Discord ask, don't you think that um, the infinite spotting in tier 10 and having only one or two potential ships is a good... Uh, how did I form my question? I forgot. So is it a good or a bad thing, basically? Um, well, we, we actually pushed back on that because it wasn't one or two ships. As we said, I don't know if you heard the podcast, but the top four clans in NA all ran different lineups from each other, and, and we're all at the top. So I I agree that there were you know picks that um, that were successful and were different, but when you look at the majority, like look at how popular see Venezia, full Venezia, two Stalin for Venezia setups were. Uh, we went over this like we had our own setup that was successful for a very good amount of time, but it doesn't mean that, that there was as much variety in total. Uh, um, well, so. look, we kind of hashed that one out, but uh, <laughs> both, we hear where you're coming from on that. We definitely hear where you're coming from. Um, yeah. But we, let's switch to a, a different topic. Um, Daster, I, I kind of want to start with the same question for you um, on a different format. What, what do you think? What do you think is the secret to getting ranked out, and not only getting ranked out, but getting ranked out quickly? What's what's the one? guideline or rule you remind yourself of when you hit that battle button for ranked mm, i knew this question was coming um it's it's kind of weird for me because i don't really feel too much like different when i play ranked so my first objective when i first go into ranked is i need to get to rank five before the first rank five game drops um so for na that's about two or three days usually like when the first weekend hits um, assuming like the, the ranked uh, season started on, during the week. Usually the first weekend is when those games are dropping because patches on Wednesday, whatever. Um, and on EU, I think it usually starts like the, the same day, maybe a day after. But my goal is just to get to rank five before the first game drops so that I can take a little bit of a breather and um, get ready for the, for the next push, which is the five to one. Um, and that's, that's a tough bracket to get through. Um, and I'm sure you want to hear the the little ins and outs of my brain strategy when I'm, you know, in the games trying to win. So um, I don't know if you if you have no more, I'm sure you want to hear me go into I, that. I want to hear you go into that. I, I'm not the only one who wants to hear oh, you go. You want to open that. your head oh, up yeah. like a coconut and feast on the inside. So gimme, 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 oh, gimme. Well, that's a weird way to phrase it, but uh, sure. So when uh, when I'm playing the game. As you know, I'm usually a battleship player. That's that's what I mean. Um, the the first thing that goes into my mind is how many battleships are on my team, right? What are the enemy cruisers? Uh, how many destroyers are there? That's also another one. Are there carriers? That sort of stuff. You know, scouting out the team. But the biggest thing is what battleships are on my team and how many are there. Um, in most games, you'll probably find yourself with three battleships. Um, so if you are one of them. What I like to do is I like to look, where did I spawn? If I spawned on the, on the left side, I'll keep going left. If I spawn on the right side, I'll keep going right. If I spawn in the middle, I'll kind of see what my, my friendly battleships are doing, where they're going, and then I'll decide from there. But um, there, either, there are times where if I spawn on the left, sometimes I might go to the right. And the situation always comes down to where are my friendly battleships going? Um, the biggest thing... I like to do is go wide on a flank that has no battleships, um, no friendly battleships, that is. 
the the main idea here is one to cause some sort of crossfire. The crossfire is massively important in ranks because people are not as coordinated as they are in clan battles. So they're not going to be like, we got a battleship out here, we got to take care of him, you know, let's all go focus him, something like that. And if they do do something along those lines, and I see like, I got four ships, you know, bearing down on me, I should probably go. That means I have four ships chasing me to the corner of the map. You know, I'm taking out four ships, that sort of thing. So the idea is, I want to separate myself from my team to get crossfire, to cover the potential flanks, um, just to kind of have um, presence everywhere on our side of the map. So as a battleship, I think going on the flank by yourself, even if you have like no cruiser, no friendly destroyer, it's fine as long as there's not like four DDs on the enemy team. Um, the, the main purpose is crossfire and making sure that you have battleships on like both sides of the map yeah you know i tried that strategy a few times but what would be so infuriating is i start trying to go in my own direction and then the other all the other battleships on my team start following even if i asked them at the beginning not to um but i seem to recall i, I think at least in one of the tier nine rank seasons i think um do you do you exclusively play battleships or do you sometimes switch it up and do something else I play battleships until I get really, really tilted, and then I can go into like destroyers or, or cruisers, whatever's like the super meta pick. I might go into that, but I'm pretty much exclusively battleship. I do have a bit in cruisers. Um, since I play a lot of clan battles in cruisers, I'm like, I guess, adjusted a bit towards um, like competitive cruisers and things like that. But I would say I'm definitely like majority battleship player. Sure, sure. Um, Storo, do you have any insight on this? Well, I kind of really just play ranked until I'm bored, and I, I, I guess I mostly win because you know, you know, I do rank out every season except the last one. Uh, sometimes on two or three ser servers, so uh, it's it's usually for me it comes down to. What do I have fun playing, and then I just go with it? Or if I have a limited amount of ships, I just go play and the ship I have. And you know, just I don't really have any rules. Like like that's it. to go on a flank, I just play around the game, and that's about it. Yeah. Um. Let me ask. I guess let me go back to Daster. I have one other rank-related question. Um. And you know, I'm not really asking for judgments on how rank is set up. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game, you know, but um, what? how do you incorporate star saving into your strategy, or do you at all? I usually don't, to be honest, and I'm, this is going to sound this is going to sound like egotistical or something like that. I usually don't have to try to save my star, and I end up saving it anyway. Um, it's just when you find yourself out on the flank by yourself, there's nobody to steal that damage from you. And if, if the enemy team is like all focused on your main force, you got broadsides. So you can usually find yourself getting some damage. Um, and of course, being able to read the game is really big here too. Um, if the enemy team is like really pushing on, on your team, they're leaving their flank open or something like that, you, you see where most of the enemy ships are spotted and you can make a push. You know, you can always do something like that. If it goes south, you'll end up saving your star. Um, but in terms of like actual star saving gameplay i don't really do it unless i have like two ships that are dying in like three minutes and then it's like all right i'm gonna go find some big battleship to ram so i can get that damage but other than that it's i usually just play normally and play for the win in the last last season i think which was seven i i think i checked my notes you've got um you went with nagato what what drove that decision so actually kind of funny story not really funny but uh, on eu i played eu first um and i believe i was the first to rank out on eu um, wow but i played gneisenau and the Shut reason <laughs> the reason the reason is because gneisenau is the, one of the only battleships at tier 7 that is actually mobile you, it's mobility is so much more valuable than any well okay i don't want to say that because my my um What's 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 the word I'm looking for? Like I guess my motto or my my life I take on battleships is, is that if it doesn't have good guns, it's garbage. And I know when I say I play Ganiza now, it kind of is contradictory. But 
Gneisenau being able to move around the map, and it does actually have decent guns. If you play it a fair bit, you'll notice it's actually not that awful. Um, having that mixture and having the 381s, torpedoes, all that kind of stuff, you're able to really make a, like a, a pressurized push. You know, you're able to be a really, really mean flanker. Um, and I finished on EU, and I was like, I just played 61 games in Gneisenau. I do not want to see that ship again in my entire life. So I played Nagato. Um, and then Nagato is, um, in my opinion, it, it follows my, again, I can't think of the word, but it, it does have the guns, right? It's got super long range guns, hard hitting, you know, a lot of pen behind them. And that's what I like to, that's what I like to have in a battleship is I like to have these, these strong guns at range, uh, and accurate ones too. So that's why I went with Nagato and I, I, switched a little bit because it didn't work sometimes but ultimately it was like it's fun i'm having fun i'm shooting synops at 20 kilometers and i'm getting pens on them which is absolutely unbelievable but that was fun you know it was something different for me as well okay well on that note i think we're gonna wrap it up um although actually bugs you got any other questions for him yeah i just have one more uh question since you say you are a battleship main i, I sort of wonder I'm sure that there have been plenty of matches in ranked. Uh, hopefully, this this will close out our ranked segment here and move us on to the end. Um, you find yourself in battleships, somewhat at the mercy of your allied cruisers and destroyers at times. I'm sure. So, what what suggestion from a frustrated battleship player would you give to someone in game about how to play their destroyer, specifically their destroyer? Ah, uh, hmm. Well, I think above all. Spotting is very important, um, and I think everyone can kind of get that. But the the point comes when your battleship is like trying to make a, a play. You know, they're pushing in, they're doing something, they're focusing a target. You know, you've got like good angles. Um, your battleships have good angles on this target, something like that. And you need to kind of realize that you are the spotting on that target. And you have to try to hold it so that your team can take care of it. I've had a couple of times, as um, more than a couple of times, as a battleship player, where a target is like flat broadside. I'm like, that is the perfect target. I have five seconds on my reload. I'm leading him perfectly. You know, this dude is gonna go back to port in the next, you know, in the next minute. And the destroyer smokes and he disappears. And I'm like, I need intelligence data. You know, I'm spamming my, <laughs> my F whatever key it is for intelligence data. And, um, you know, I get really upset and I look away and I shoot at another target. And immediately, as soon as I left click twice, the, the cruiser pops up again. And it's like, I just, I need the spotting on these targets. And sometimes it's not possible, you know, they go behind an island or something along those lines. Maybe an enemy destroyer smokes, but it's like, as a battleship, you know, I'm trying to get angles on the enemy because that's my job. You know, I'm trying to get my my guns on juicy, weak broadsides. And as a destroyer, the objective first is to obviously like cap, make sure that there's not you know issues there. But you really need to keep the the eyes on enemy ships for your battleships because if you don't. The enemy destroyer who does have eyes will have his cruisers and his battleships chunking away your ships, and then they, your team will not be able to support you in the cap. So ultimately, you need to balance out your, your capping with your spotting and getting damage on the enemy team. So it's very important that you maintain vision of most, if not all, enemies on your flank, uh, making sure nothing's going super wide, getting angles on your team, that sort of stuff. Schrodinger's cruiser, if no DD is spotting it, was it ever actually there? Well, in that regard, I think uh, I think that about wraps it up for me. Synpax, we uh, want to move on to uh, one quick One quick lightning question. Sure. Lightning question. One word answer, or essentially one phrase answer. Uh, upcoming ranked season will be, it looks like, tier 8, right? Uh, Pugs? I mean, the next real ranked season? Oh, I have no idea. I haven't looked at uh, it. Believe... Yeah, I think so, yeah. I, I think uh, I heard that, yeah. Daster, what are you bringing? Hmm, probably Gascon, honestly. Interesting. Uh, Stora, what are you bringing? A Kizuki, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting. You're a filthy man, Storo. A filthy man. Maybe I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I will decide. You know, I'll, I'll see what I have in port, and I'll, I'll just yeah. click battle. 
what I like. <laughs> you know, uh, Maybe Astros. North Carolina if I'm feeling especially patriotic. But There you go. There you go. All right. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, down below, uh, we have links to the North American Clan Discord server um, and uh, Bogsy's uh, Twitch stream. Very, very entertaining. I encourage you to watch and subscribe. And um, also our mailbag, which is uh, the new guys, wows at gmail.com. Uh, so with that, Bogsy, you want to take us home? Absolutely. Uh, send us any ship that is a uh... Uh, a historical ship that is not yet in the game, send us an email to thenewguyswows at gmail.com. Tell us what it is and why. Uh, hopefully by next week, we're going to bring several of our listeners who have responded on to chat about what they want in the game and why. So if you want to come on uh, the podcast and share with us what you think should be in the game, now's the time. Send us an email. Uh, with that, thank you very much to uh, Destert and to Storo for coming on and sharing some of their knowledge and their experience with us. We appreciate it. Uh, follow us, subscribe, all that beautiful stuff. And uh, we will see you next time on Get to Know World of Warships podcast. <laughs>